I was bullied as a kid. I got uh, slammed in lockers. I got pushed in the ditch. And I also remember a young uh, kid in my grade who the seniors came down from the high school. This is while I was in junior high. And a few of them grabbed him by the legs, some on one leg, some on the other, and they yanked him against a tree many times. And he ended up in the hospital. And he ended up having permanent damage. Now, I'm from a generation where the bullying and the hazing was still considered appropriate. I guess by appropriate, I mean they didn't do anything to really stop it. Getting chased home by bigger kids, having the janitor let me out of my locker. Uh, my parents didn't know. I didn't, I didn't really share this with them. But the, the bullying had started in fifth grade with a, a young man named Tim. And uh, the glasses, the Argyle sweaters, the Izod shirts, the matching socks, and the violin case didn't help me much. It wasn't until 10th grade, uh, after 10th grade had ended, that I went to Japan. And uh, while I was there, I had studied Ninpo Taijutsu, or Ninjutsu, or the way of the ninja, um, under Grandmaster Masaki Hatsumi. And when I came back in the first two weeks of 11th grade, I got into a fight. And I fought back. And it was in front of a lot of kids in the hallway. And that was the end of the bullying. So the evidence I have is that the way to deal with bullying is to confront the bully fist to fist, fire to fire. But that's not working in today's culture. Bullying is much more uh, uh, frowned upon. It should be and often is dealt with immediately. But, but I think the question still remains when your child has low self-esteem, uh, low self-worth, which both of those mean to me no self-concept. It's hard to have esteem and worth in something that we don't know what it is. Um, but how do you teach your kid? How do you teach your kid not to be a target of bully? What do you, how do, how do you, why do people bully? And what are the, the responses? How do you role play with your kid what to say to a bully? So the next time it happens, um, the fear response that has taken place because of previous incidences doesn't take over. So my guest today is Jeannie Siskomet. And... She, a few years back, wrote, wrote a book called Bully Proofing You. And I want to talk to her today. I want to have her tell our parents, teachers, and clinicians how to help these kids with bullying because it still exists. It's still a problem. And online bullying is massive. So we're going to address these topics today. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I'm your host, Aaron Huey. Honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way. Great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before, and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed, or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? 
My name is Aaron Huey and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Amy, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Aaron. I'm so excited to be on your show today. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. I want us both to uh, uh, be able to tell these stories and to let, uh, to let parents know that, um, yeah, these things happen. And, uh, but, but, you know, the, but there, there is a way to help parents out of this and a way to, a way to get parents to, to really work with their kids, have conversations, and really teach parents not only how to advocate for their kids, but how to advocate for themselves, and even how to confront the school if necessary. But in you and I talking before we went on the air, you've got some, you've got some specific things, and, and I want to use the words that, that there's a way to stop the bullying um, as it's starting, just with your words, and, and I want to get to that. But first, Jeannie, uh, please, please talk about your story. Tell her how, why you ended up in this situation and uh, what, you know, how this all happened, how you ended up writing books about bullying. Well, it's a shock to me sometimes. <laughs> When I was younger, in fact, in elementary school, they told me I was too stupid, that I would never make it through high school. I had so many learning disabilities. And the beautiful thing about that was that it ticked me off. And I said, you don't decide, I decide. And it was the perfect fuel to get me focused and moving forward. The determination that I had to finish school because of the things that they told me was pretty good <laughs> pretty good and um, then I decided in high school I had a great teacher and I decided in high school to become a teacher myself and so I was a high school teacher for 17 years and I saw firsthand you know not only from my side firsthand from my side but I saw it from the teacher's point of view and the parents point of view and how I could help these kids and so I developed a program to help them and that's what later became my book. What was the program originally called? What, how did you guys start this out? And how did it start in your school? So it started, I was sitting talking with some of my students. And one of my students mentioned the fact that he had eight kids and he was 17 years old. And I immediately realized I was a first year teacher. And I immediately realized these kids need more help because I was at an alternative high. And so I realized my students needed a lot more help than just reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I was certified at that time in four different subjects. And so the main one was health that I taught. And so I immediately took out my health curriculum and poured over it and picked out the ones that I knew my students needed the most, goal setting decision-making, you know, self-esteem awareness, those things that could really impact my students. We had a very, very transient student population. I could have students there for a few weeks and I could have students there for five years. And so I had to have a program that would impact them and touch them, 
but teach the same core principles in a very short period of time. So the kids that were there for a few days would get good, impactful stuff. And then the students that were there for five years would still be getting new, it would be the same core principles, but disseminated in a new way. And that program was called Growing and Learning. And so from that, uh, in 2012, I retired from the classroom and transitioned to the stage, and it then became called Bully Proofing You. And Jeannie, do you still teach Bully Proofing You from the stage to parents, schools, kids? I do, all over the country. In fact, we just signed our first international career. I'm going wow. to Ireland in June. Oh, that's fantastic. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So give us a, a little layout of the program. When you're up on stage and you're talking to the kids, what is it that you're talking to them about? The first thing we talk about is personal value because first personal value is the foundation upon which everything else is built. And in my book, if you happen to pick up a copy of my book, uh, you can go to bullyproofingyoubook.com and we have it there. The book is absolutely free. All I ask is that you pay for shipping. I'll even autograph it for you. If you let me know, you heard me on Aaron Huey's podcast, I'll make sure and autograph it for you. And that's my gift to you and your listeners. And and in the first part, you'll see all throughout the book a pyramid. And that pyramid has three tiers to it. And the first tier is personal value because it absolutely is the foundation. If I believe that I'm special, if I believe that I'm important, when someone else tells me different, I don't believe them. And so there's a a few, there's quite a few experiential things that I do from stage, but the easiest one to describe here is I'll be standing in front of the audience and I'll say, how do you like my purple dress? Of which I've never worn a purple dress. And it's funny because the audience members look at me like, she's crazy. I'm like, exactly. When you know you're a jeans and t-shirt kind of girl and someone tells you you have a purple dress, they're the crazy one, not you. So it has no effect on you. That's so why did, personal value is so important. Okay, so so now we've got kids who their primary form of concept has been what their parents have told them. Now yes. all of a sudden they they're they're showing up in in fifth and sixth grade, and that that whole thing their parents were telling them it's it's not panning out at school, and because all the kids are going through it, and you address this because all the kids are going through all of a sudden a shift in self concept. Um, you're not you're not you know, daddy's special little girl or mommy's little soldier and you're so handsome and kids are telling you something different. You don't know what to believe. And they're develop what is developmentally appropriate is that we begin to separate from our parents. Their thoughts are not my thoughts. And in fact, in high school, the, the only way we have to begin to develop self-concept is to say, I'm going to be me by not being you. And we say that to our parents. So now we're, we're trying not to be our parents. And the kids are telling us something about us that we're, we may or may not already know and be very sensitive about. Um, and so now we've got these dueling, this dueling input. How do you teach a kid to choose the parents when they're supposed to be developing their own social world? Or do you just get the kid to focus on themselves? 
No, beautiful, beautiful question. And this one-liner, I recommend every parent write it in permanent ink right on their finger. The question that you ask your child or your student, if you're a teacher, is, aren't you glad I don't believe that? So Timmy comes running in, mommy, mommy, so-and-so called me what? As the parent, you ask that question. Aren't you glad I don't believe that? Or your version of it, however you want it to be. What that does is that teaches the child, first of all, that they have the choice. Oh, wait a minute. You mean I get to choose what label gets stuck on me? And we do another interactive thing. I told you I taught in an alternative high. So there's a lot of experiential that we do from stage. And we do an exercise with labels that proves this very, very powerfully. But a student gets to pick or a child gets to pick what gets stuck on them. And by asking that question, they realize, hey, wait, I have a decision to make. I can choose to believe what that other person says or I can choose what I want to believe. Hmm. Hmm. That is, that's quite an exercise right there. And I hear a little bit of uh, the, the love and logic in there. Yep, with, aren't, you, aren't you glad I don't believe that? That is very much uh, yep. when the kid says to the parent, oh, I hate you so much. Oh, aren't you glad I don't believe that? Yep. No, because that's the thing is that when, when we're getting negative reinforcement from peers and we're getting positive reinforcement at home to saying to the kids, well, they can, they can think that, and, but you and I can think the other thing because I believe this. And don't we both want me to be right? You know, and, right. and that's, and that's right. There are these great things to say. Um, role playing is this, is this part of, of the education experience with your child to help them deal with being bullied? Absolutely. Time. Spending time with a child is so important, and we have lost that, I believe, as a society. We still have family dinner. Now, my youngest is 20, (laughs) and they still come home once a week for family dinner. And, you know, not all of them are there, as, but as, as frequently as we can, we still have dinner. But when I was a single parent and our kids were, you know, all of us once a day minimum are gathered at the table, spending time together. No electronics were allowed during mealtime. And we talked, we asked questions, we told stories, you know, I would tell stories about when my kids were little, you know, and my daughter would eat the dirt, (laughs) you know, or the roly polies, Um, you know, and my son was, was asking me to teach him how to fly, you know, and things like that, those stories that mean so much, because that brings us together. And, and a solid unit or a family unit that is together cannot be divided. So, so when a kid's, when a kid's home, let's, let's, let's give some examples. So the parents listening to you can really get, get some meat and potatoes. Kid says, you know, so-and-so at school called me such and such and shoved me down. How do we respond as a parent? What's, what's going to be our best, our best approach? Okay, so if it's already escalated to being shoved down, that means that has been happening for a while. Nice. Okay. So because it always starts verbal first, then it goes to physical. And so if you're having, if you haven't been having family time, you know, we have tons of board games in our house. We play board games two times a week. We used to. 
I still consider my kids at home. <laughs> when my kids at home, we had regular game nights, you know, because you can, the neat thing about games is you always show up exactly as you are. Yeah. And so all the junk that's going on, you show up as. And so you listen for keywords that your kids use, or you listen for the way they describe what's going on at school. My daughter was being bullied as a first grader. And I figured it out because she called me at the same time during the day, two days in a row. I was a student teacher at that time and I only taught half day. And so the first day I got a phone call, mom, I don't feel well. Can I come home? I'm like, wait a minute. You were fine this morning. You're right. okay. Can you make it through school? I'll come get you after. Oh, fine, mom. Next day, within five minutes, same phone call. And I'm like, um, I'm getting a clue, right? right? And when it happened to the third day, I went and picked her up and we went for a walk. We walked home and so we talked. What are, what are some of the keywords we're looking for as parents? That, that's brilliant. The, the, the being called at the same time each day, just marking the time. What are some of the other keywords a parent needs to look for? The, re, the words of, I don't like myself, but that's not how they say it. They'll say, oh, I hate my dress. Or, Mom, I look horrible this morning. Oh, man, I got a pimple. Or, I my suck. Or, I'm so, so stupid. Right? right? Right. The reason most parents don't pick it up is because they're using the exact same language on themselves. Mm. And so I always talk to the parents about, hey, when you get up in the morning and you walk past that mirror in the bathroom, you be doing, you know, the, the posing. Check out this hairdo. I worked on this all night. You know, and my kids, when I would get my kids ready for school, um, we usually left about the same time. But I'd come out and I'd say, check out my bedhead. I worked on this all night. This is stellar. You know, when I don't wear makeup, because I don't wear makeup very often. You can see I'm not wearing it. <laughs> You know, I don't walk by the mirror and go, oh, my gosh, I look so horrible. I look so often. No, look at me. I am beautiful. Another thing that I love to do, if you've got little kids, you can do it with middle school, but it's kind of awkward at first. Then they're just going to roll their eyes at you and go, whatever, that's mom. My kids are at that point. <laughs> but if you've got little kids, this is so fun. The next time you go to the convenience store or the grocery store, you know, those doors that go whoosh and they whoosh open. Okay, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> you step up and those doors whoosh open and you step through and you go, dun, 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 dun I am here. <laughs> and everybody's going to look at you and you're going to say, hi, how you doing? Fabulous day. And then you take your kid and you go shopping and you have fun. And when you see your five-year-old do that, oh man, that's cool. That's cool. Because everywhere you go, you should arrive. You're talking about your 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 your. I love a lot of the stuff you're saying, and it's definitely the this ounce of prevention piece that you're talking about. This this you know you know I'm here. Where's my parade? And 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 I will tell you that the best and the worst of my life, the best and the worst of my life, has all stemmed from the fact that I'm still waiting for my parade to start. You know, and and I'm and that's and that's great at times, and that other times, um, people who don't feel like they've arrived people who don't feel like they're at their best and you come charging through the doors and this grandiose ta-da and that that triggers them 
And you, you and I were talking about that. You, you said, you said before we got on the air, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And, and so, so let's, let's, let's set this up because let's say, let's say I'm a, you know, I'm a dad and, and I've missed it with my kiddo. You know, I've, I've been busy and I've missed some of the, the, the talk. My, my kid has said, um, you know, I don't like my ears, but my kid has also seen me, you know, be concerned with my, you know, receding hairline in the mirror and, and, you know, grab my paunch and flap it at myself in the mirror and stuff and talk about how I should work out. And then all of a sudden my kid does tell me, you know, so-and-so called me a name and shoved me down. So let's say we're at, you know, it, it has escalated to physical because yeah. I, I want to hear, want to hear what you're going to tell the kid, those magic words to, to keep it from getting physical. But let's start with what I know a lot of our parents and listeners have is it's physical. What do I do? You go to the school and you go to the police because that's assault. That's not bullying anymore. That's assault. And so you go into the principal's office and you say, hey, we need to have a meeting. You call or you go directly in and you say, we need to have a meeting and this is what's happened. And you let them know that it is assault and you use those words. Bullying is used so frequently for such a wide range of things that when a school hears bullying, they are still stuck, in my opinion, this is totally my opinion, they're still stuck in the past of kids will be kids. And that's not true. That's not true. If someone puts their hands on you, that's assault, bottom line. Now, are there varying degrees of assault? Yes. And it gets worse from there. But if somebody puts their hands on you and pushes you down, that's assault. That's not bullying anymore. You're right. And, and you're talking to someone who agrees with that philosophy in the, in the same sense that if a kid puts their hands on their parents, parents put their hands on their kids. This is, this is all stuff that, that in my line of work is, is straightforward, very easy to say. You know, kid, threat, kid says, I feel like killing myself. There is one course of action after that. And I have to tell you that knowing that from my business, I still felt myself catch my breath when you use the word assault and bullying together, because you're right. We are still, it is still passed off as kids will be kids. And then we got to navigate it through there. But if there's hands on, that's a call to the cops. And, and when you say there's varying degrees, I could hear my brain try to all of a sudden try to rationalize and justify. Well, it, he only did that. He only shoved him. So, but that's not my place as a parent nor an adult to figure out which degree of assault it is. That's the authority's place. Right. Right. So you're, you want to, you want to amp this up a level. So we go to the school, we call the cops, we let the cops know, we let the cops know we're going to the school. And we let the school know we're going, we're, we've called the cops. We use the word assault. We're making it clear to the school that we're advocating for our child and we're not taking any crap here. Right. All right. Let's back this, let's back this up a bit. So now kid is talking about this other kid at school who is saying mean things and the kid's telling you, you know, well, has he said mean things to you? No, you know, it's coming. The kid's already setting you up for it. Or maybe they has, but the kid hasn't reconciled it. Tell me about this 
the, this planned response. This is the thing that you talked about. And actually, because that's probably part three in your pyramid, right? Yeah, it is. Part it is. two is why do people bully? And we talked about hurt people hurt. So before yeah, we talk about planned response, let's talk about the second tier of your, of your pyramid. It's the perspective, and it goes along with what we were just talking about. If I'm in the principal's office talking about a kid who has assaulted my, my child, I also want to let the counselors know that I'm concerned about that young person. There's something going on to make him lash out physically at others. What You're concerned it? about the bully, too. I am. I'm absolutely concerned about him or her. And as a teacher, I went to their house. I had many times, now you have to remember, I'm not in a mainstream high school. And so many times, as soon as that parent would open the door and they would be drunk or they would be high or they would be in a mess, whatever it was, I would realize that their student was dealing with some pretty outrageous things. And there were things that we could do at school to mitigate it and to make it better. Like what? so um, making sure that our kids had breakfast in the morning. I always took a cup of noodles to school, you know, some candy bars, apples, fruit, things like that for students. Also, they had the ability to wash their clothes at our school or we would bring clothes. You know, I don't know how many times I took stuff to students' homes, things like that. Be- hurt people hurt people. And it starts with somebody starts bullying and when it escalates to physical, it's because that's what they know. That's how they've been taught to respond to stress, you know, to uncomfortable situations. You know, when emotion is high, intelligence is low. And so if I'm in an emotional wreck all of the time, I can't think clearly. And if I'm hungry, right, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, think of that, you know, bottom line, food, water, shelter. And if I have a kid that's bullying, I can start in my classroom by making sure he's got food and he knows that my classroom is safe. Because that is one thing, it was was zero tolerance in my room. If somebody lashed out at someone else, it was immediately addressed. Yeah, there's a video uh going viral right now on facebook and perhaps you've seen it is um the father who takes his kids bully shopping and buys him clothes Mm. Uh, because when he went to confront the kid he saw that his clothes were unwashed and you know etc and obviously saw that this kid needed um needed some support and in the video um on the way to the store the kid's not making eye contact he's staring out the window he's very very angry on the way back he's loosened up he's lightened up he's he's more present he's got gratitude yeah but but what really struck me about the video is that suddenly this boy was given an option he was he was shown as a bully you have a choice too yeah violence isn't always going to be met with violence yeah. So this, this perspective, you're talking about recognizing that, yes, you're going in to advocate for your child, but 
really as adults, we should be advocating for children, all of them, yours, this kid who's bullying others, because obviously something, I don't think we can have this conversation about bullies and talk about a bully and not everybody nod their head in agreement that these people who bully, they're suffering, you know, right. they're, they, they're, they're going through rough times. We know this, but we don't advocate for that. There's a, there's not a best practices for helping a bully heal. And, and there, was a, there was a while back where I, um, I put out a call on all my Facebook pages looking for a family whose kid was the bully in school that I would like to talk to them and what they did. And I got no response. I never get no response. And as I sat back, I was like, of course, they don't want to talk to me. Right. Of yeah. course. And they, they, they know the struggle. This is a systemic issue this is a systemic failure it's not a broken child it's a broken system Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so now we moved into plan response and what i like about this is is i like that there is a front loading and a practicing of how to respond to someone who's being a bully at the school so your son your daughter has mentioned to you that there's a bully at school and now you guys are gonna practice some planned responses what are they give us the magic questions Questions. Because we are raised from a very, very young age to answer questions. And so when we're at, see, when somebody is bullying, it's because in their brainstem, the reptilian brain, they're not thinking, they're 100% reactive. Mm-hmm. But if I can get them to think, they will stop bullying because they're no longer, they're no longer reactive, they're actually acting. So if I ask a simple question, hey, what's your favorite color? Hey, what time did you get to school? Hey, what's for lunch today? Hey, what's your favorite meal? When's your birthday? If I ask a question that stops and makes them think, because, and we do an exercise again in my audience, where for two minutes, all you can do is ask your partner a question and your partner cannot answer. And it is hilarious. I will see people turn around and not even look at the other person. I'll see people covering their mouth. I'll see people, you know, covering their ears because we are so ingrained to answer questions that when someone asks us a question, we want to answer it. And so it makes the person stop and think. One of my favorite questions that I was always teach my students is to ask students and is to ask students, you know, what, hey, where's classroom such and such a number? Or, hey, meet me at the flagpole after school. But that's because we didn't have a flagpole. <laughs> And so it kind of became a joke, right? The new kid. And and one thing when I worked at, at the school that I worked at, I had connections to every gang in the valley. And so I would tell people, don't tick me off. You don't want to tick me off. <laughs> but, you know, we were always afraid of a gang war erupting right in the middle of class. Right. And so, you know, the joke became, meet me at the flagpole. And there was no flagpole. So the new kid would come in, be all upset, and it would be, hey, meet me at the flagpole after school. And that would diffuse it because, oh, good, we're going to take care of this later. And then after the kid's looking for the flagpole and there's no flagpole. But it stops it and it diffuses. Ask a question. What time did you get to school? What time are you going home? Do you ride the bus? You know, just 
and, and in my book, it goes through very, very specific questions. It also talks about how to train yourself. We talked about how when emotion is high, intelligence is low. And so you have to get to where you can train yourself to still think even in an emotional state. And so as you slowly start turning up the heat on different situations where you can still react appropriately, then it gets easier and easier. So in my book, I highly recommend it, you know, getting it and you and your child working through those, some of those scenarios in there. You've, you, you wrote your book, uh, and well, you published your book three years ago. It was a bestseller on Amazon. There, but you're you wrote this and had this come out in the middle of all these school shootings that have been taking place. Is there any part in your book that addresses this? No, but my current book does. Okay, I'm currently writing a book called "Taming the Bully Between Your Ears," and um, in fact, just this morning I sent out a press release addressing it very specifically because it's no longer just school shootings. Yeah, there's shootings everywhere, and they are absolutely preventable. And it's not with bulletproof vests, and it's not with more metal detectors, and it's definitely not with gun control. It's with mind control because it starts on the inside when i start hating myself then i can hate others and when i start loving myself i can love others and there is so much self-hate in this world that it is sad and we're seeing the outward appearances of those what is is that just the key to all bullying is teaching self-love modeling as a parent self-love um is that it is it is it if we could so. boil it it's, it's that simple we could boil it down yeah. to love yourself love another yeah and i have spent and i know that sounds so simple but it is so significant so significant and I remember probably about four years ago sitting in my dad's living room because I was like, I love my job. absolutely love my job. And I'm like, how can I go home and see my dad for his birthday and get paid for it? <laughs> and so I called my former high school and I said, hey, this is what I do now. And they said, we'd love to have you come. We booked six schools. And so I spent a week at my dad's house over his birthday. And a very good friend of mine that I had grown up with um, came over and we're sitting in my dad's living room and we're discussing it and we're talking about that. And she's the director of nursing at Utah, I'm sorry, at um, Washington State University. And so both of us are fairly well educated. We're not just where we were, right? <laughs> but we're sitting there discussing child development and, and parenting and everything. And my dad says to me, well, yeah, but isn't your kid going to get arrogant? And I looked at him and I said, Dad, I love you to pieces. And if you would have let me believe in myself, I wouldn't have had a lot of problems that I do. And so there's this little voice in some people's mind that says, well, if I build my kid up, they will get such a big head, right? They'll get narcissistic. That is not true. That is not true. 
because as I accept myself and love myself, I can absolutely love others more. Narcissism, from what I understand and from what I've studied, comes from a twisted sense of trying to overcompensate for not liking oneself. And so there's so many there's so many <laughs> so many examples even in one day that will tear us down that if we don't have a good foundation to believe in ourselves and love ourselves that we will never there's just too many too many ways to bring us down we've got to build ourselves up Jane, I think you and I are close to the same age and when when we're we're from an environment from a generation that was taught by a generation of the kids will be kids boys will be boys girls will be girls um and that that it, it, hazing and bullying was expected it was part of the ritual of moving from junior high to high school etc cetera, etc cetera. there is a environment of complaining around how much parents intervene on what the school is trying to do now. And I'm wondering, um, because because being a love and logic uh, uh, instructor myself, you obviously have yes. studied. If you're not at a, a, a I was, a, I was in okay. Yep. So we've got the lawnmower. I'm sorry, we've got we've got the helicopter and we've got the drill sergeant. And I don't know if you know the new one that's out. It's called the lawnmower or the snowplow, and that's the parent who gets out in front of the child and bulldozes everything out of the way so the child has a a clear runway with which to live life. Which none of those three are sustainable, practical, or real. Um, and all say, I don't trust you to live your own life. I don't trust you to handle life. Exactly. Are parents still in reaction to the, the lack of attention to bullying and assault behaviors, um, and now we're overcompensating for, or do you think we're more in a healthy environment now with regards to dealing with bullying in the school, or, or do we still have a long way to go? Yes, on all of the above. <laughs> I think the main the main thing is is that parents have more disposable income and more disposable time than they ever have, ever have. And as parents, we want the best possible thing that we can have for our children, right? And so we think, well, I don't want them to be bullied. I don't want them to deal with all these difficult things like I had to. And so we want to try to smooth the way for them to make their life easier. The problem with that is, is that my current struggles are building my muscles to deal with my future obstacles. So just like the little chick hatching out of the egg, they will die if you help them hatch, right? The same is true with children. If I don't allow my child to struggle in non-life-threatening situations, the price tag continues to go up until it is life-threatening. Let me give you an example. My son's maybe three years old at this time. We live in Utah. We're getting ready to go outside. I say to him, Max, you might want to wear your coat. He's maybe four. You might want to wear your coat. No, he says, no. I'm like, okay, we get in the car. Now, I know this is not life-threatening. I also know that before the car warms up, Max is going to get very cold, right? 
And so Max starts complaining about how cold it is. And I say, I am so glad I wore my coat. I'm cozy. Oh, I'm so glad. That was a good decision by me. Yep. Is it rubbing salt in the wound? You betcha. But you know what's really cool? is a few years later, we're getting in the car. Max is about five or six now. And I say, oh, it's cold in here. And he says, yeah, mom, that's what happens when you don't wear your coat. <laughs> I'm like, touche, Max, touche. <laughs> How, so, so that is, yes, we do have to let the kids struggle. And that's, that's where I do see and hear about you know, the overcompensatory behaviors of parents. I got bullied as a kid, so this will not happen to, right. to my kid. But it can, it can infringe on the right and the gift of discomfort because no growth happens without discomfort. Growth is uncomfortable. Right. Um, man, the, the, how, do the, how, how are these – let's get this book into, into these parents' hands. How are they going to find you, Jeannie? How how's, are these teachers and clinicians get you to come to their schools and their programs? If they want me to come to the school, they can get a hold of me through my website, geniesiscometh.com, and that's computers and drugs. <laughs> Cisco, C-I-S-C-O, last name, meth, M-E-T-H. And I am the only Cisco meth um, in in the in world, I'm guessing, because if you Google it, I'm the only one that comes up. So that's the beauty of having a unique name. Now, to get a copy of my book, they can go to bullyproofingyoubook.com, and it's seven ninety nine. And that pays for shipping and handling. I'll autograph it for you and get it in the mail just as soon as you get that ordered. Are you on Facebook? Can they connect with you I socially? Am. Yep. I'm also on Facebook. We have a page, Bullyproofing You page, and then Jeannie Cisco Meth. I believe my personal page is maxed out, but you can go to my professional page, which is also Jeannie Cisco Meth. I'm also on LinkedIn, and, and um, I'm also on Twitter, and I don't know. I'm on places I don't even know where I am. I there's so much social media well. out there. Oh, yeah, there's so I, much I, stuff out there. But Any videos on YouTube they can watch? Absolutely. Yep, we have quite a few videos on YouTube. And um, some of them are long. Some of them are like, you know, an hour-long training. Some of them are as short as two minutes. So tons of tips and information. And um, YouTube and Facebook are where I tried new thoughts that I've had. Like last, like last spring, I think it was, my daughter and I were going for a walk and I saw a woodpecker and I'm like, you know, he's really, he wasn't banging his head on the tree. He was just kind of picking up these bugs and I'm like, oh, that's a metaphor. <laughs> and so I came home and recorded my first story with, you know, the woodpecker and what it taught me and how, you know, you don't have to bang your head when you can just pick them up. And, you know, and so, the, but the very first place I try things is Facebook and YouTube because it helps me collate my thoughts and it's absolutely free. So forgive me if I misspell words and, you know, make some mistakes, but hey, it's free and it's going to help you. <laughs> awesome. Jeannie, thanks so much. I'm going to sign off. Hang on the, hang on the line with me. Um, thanks for being here. This is important stuff. And please let me Thank know you. when your next book's ready to come out so we can get you back on and get this book into parents' hands. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Thank you. Parents, uh, teachers, clinicians, uh, the bully proofing. I have it written down, so I'm going to find it. Uh, the book bully proofing you No. Jeannie, say it again. 
bullyproofingyoubook.com. Bullyproofingyoubook.com to get uh, the book. You pay $7.99 for shipping and handling. Um, check this book out, folks. I want to, as always, uh, and which I do every time, but I can't not, is to thank the boss goddess at Mental Health News Radio, Kristen Walker, and her constant and never-ending infinite love of uh, uh, and support of Beyond Risk and Back. And uh, no matter how many emails I send her and what time I send her, she always has a smile for me. And... Uh, it's awesome. And, and Kristen Walker, I love you deeply. Daniel Cropper, my editor, who takes all my mistakes and boo-boos and makes me sound and look really, really good. Thanks, Daniel, for your hard work and getting stuff back so quick. Um, and I want to say to parents, teachers, and clinicians, if it's gone too far, if it's gone on too long, and you need residential support, please go to firemountainprograms.com. That is my residential treatment center. The uh, online assessment is always free. The phone call is free, and the tour is free. We want to make sure we are the right place for the child that you are concerned with. Uh, join me every week here at Beyond Risk and Back for another show, another expert, or another teenager um, to, to give you the hints, the techniques, and the stories uh, to help work with these kids at risk to bring them back. And last but not least, the mantra, you can say it with me, parents. Take care of yourself first. Take care of your adult relationship second. And take care of your children third. Because in that way, we do our best work with our children. I want to thank my guest, Jeannie Cisco meth Go check her out online, folks. And I will see you next week. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.